back the clock to a few decades past. A Los Angeles group releases a song about the ubiquity and futility of gang violence. The year was 1990, and the song was the seven and a half minute long epic, We're All in the Same Gang by West Coast Rap All-Stars. Just kidding. That was really embarrassing. Let's pretend that never happened. The year was 1994, and the song was Come Out and Play from The Offspring's aptly titled third release, Smash. Along with Green Day and Rancid, Offspring invented what we now know as pop punk. The songs are guitar-driven, incredibly catchy, and compared to 70s and 80s punk, more likely to be about breakups than about smashing the state. Smash went on to sell more than 13 million copies and remains the best-selling independent label release of all time. Today on Hidden Jukebox, you've got to keep them separated because we're talking about Come Out and Play. You've got to keep them separated. Yes, keep them separated. The original line that they had the idea for with the song was, you have no choice but to keep them separated. Yes, it would be a historic error if you failed to keep them separated. Speaking of we're all in the same gang by the West Coast Rap All-Stars, um, yeah. <laughs> I got a text from my friend Sean this week, shout out to Sean, uh, that he thought a great idea for uh, a one-hit wonder song for Hidden Jukebox would be the song I Love Your Smile by Shanice, released in 1991. I don't know this song at all. When um, I re- I'm I sure did, I would recognize it, right? I didn't think I knew the song, and when I played it, I recognized it. Uh, sorry, Sean, we will not be doing this song. <laughs> Had a- you thought about we're all in the same gang since, like, since 1991? <laughs> I'm not sure I thought about we're all in the same gang ever because in yeah, because I guess you were you were 11. like ten when it came out, yeah, right? Exactly. I, uh, I know the song, but um, I did not realize it was a seven and a half minute long epic. And, yes, uh, because like ten different people have to take verses on it, and uh, none of them are good. You mean none of them are all stars? <laughs> well, that, that's the thing. They are all stars, but the song <laughs> is so humiliating for everyone involved. Oh God, yeah, and this was like pre 1992 Rodney King riots it's like it was already like this do we really need this right now right um and yet like <laughs> there's something not as embarrassing but still embarrassing about come out and play being like basically the same song but by some whiny white guys okay good i'm glad you looped this around because i was about to say matthew you know I thought we said that this podcast was not about we're all in the same gang by the West Coast Rap All Stars. Once I, once I got on the genius page for we're all in the same gang, like I think I spent more time there than anything Offspring related. Uh, it's good. <laughs> um, okay, so you apparently didn't really listen to this album in, in 1994, 95. I was obsessed with this album i listened that's to it good yeah over and over again and funny enough uh the reason that i picked this song this month is because my girlfriend Lori, shout out to Lori, uh <laughs> loves listening to get your heart rate up music when she's working out and she's very throwback with it and she listens to smash by the offspring 
all the time when yeah, she especially the third single get your heart rate up yes exactly uh and i hadn't listened to this album in probably 15 20 years and now i'm like listening to it regularly again i'm like man this was a good album there's yeah, so I'd many completely good forgotten it. about the song gotta get away which is so catchy oh my god like the the opening bass line on it it's just there's so many well-written songs on this and maybe we should start out talking about uh the pop punk movement which we've talked about a little bit on this show but th- this really typifies that that mid-90s sound of you know it wasn't like 70s 80s punk where it was really hard-edged it was more mainstream like for me it's hard to listen to this and go yeah this is totally punk it it sounds more like just straight ahead rock but i can see where the beginnings of it are rooted in punk yeah so i tried to while listening to this and then listening to some other things i would define as not quite pop punk like uh you know in utero like what are the characteristics of the pop punk genre that make it recognizable like i could not put it into words it definitely the drumming is part of it like the the use of a lot of palm muting on the guitar is part of it but like i don't know man well i feel like uh i feel like punk was much faster than this yes. in terms in terms of the the tempo at which they were playing uh the vocals were harder to make out like it was a lot more screamo and while the lyrics carried a lot of meaning in punk music a lot of the time nobody could make out what they were saying anyway they just wanted to mosh to it and this stuff was like clearer sung vocals um it it had more obvious aaba type of song mm-hmm. form to it so it was more mainstream pop style writing um you know still short in terms of the length of the songs but more clean like it, just a more cleaned up sound that was more accessible would you i mean would you put buzzcocks as like the the grandfathers of this kind of sound ooh uh that's i think i would i'd have to look at at when they started and who came before them because what's crazy that we both noticed uh researching this episode is the offspring started in 1984 yeah like that's years between when the band was formed and their first big hit and And like you know they had some buzz based on their previous album in 91 92 yes but uh like I cannot imagine that level of patience personally. I would any project that didn't pay off in the first couple years, I'm going to bail on it probably. Exactly. Like I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned <laughs> speaking, this on the show. Of which, we should cancel this podcast. <laughs> Thank you to all 250 people who listen to us every month. Like I always say, please tell your friends. Uh, Buzzcocks were formed in 1976, mm-hmm. so yes, there's a very good chance that they are the beginning of this sound but uh one of the the reasons that i wanted to do this song uh outside of re-listening to this album is this was released on epitaph records it is the best-selling independent album of all time over any genre epitaph was uh started by brett gerwitz who was and now is again the guitarist for bad religion Mm -hmm. that's that's right he's playing with them again right 
Yes, he doesn't tour with them because he's too busy running his record label, but he, he plays on the records and writes songs. But uh, Bad Religion was founded in 1981, which means they've been around for virtually 40 years, which is crazy to think uh, about. 80. They were founded in 80 and just celebrated their 40th anniversary. That's just insane and makes me feel very old. Speaking of Bad Religion... You, Jake, and you listeners should read the Bad Religion autobiography, Do What You Want, because it is a really fun read. Um, it will it will introduce you to uh, the band's full catalog. If you're not familiar with that, it's one of my all-time favorite bands. And also, you'll learn a lot about Brett Gerwitz and uh, how this album sort of ruined him. I, he made a ton of money off this. And so... Uh, in researching this, I'm like, God, this guy's got to be worth a ton of money because uh, Epitaph, in, in addition to releasing this, released albums by Pennywise, Rancid, Weezer, No Effects, Social Distortion, Dropkick Murphys, more. Like, they've released some huge albums, and you look it up and you're like, this guy's going to be worth $50 million. Well, he's worth t- about $12 million, which certainly is not like, oh, so he's poor. But I'm like, where did the money go? And it Apparently, it went to a lot of drugs. Yeah, like it, like this happened at a time when, like, if you gave this guy extra money, he would buy extra drugs, and that's what happened. But Dr- uh, but apparently, he friends. is doing great and is sober. So that that's good to hear. Um, so it was a huge success, uh, not only for uh, the band, obviously, but also for Epitaph Records, and it was right in the dead center of this time when pop punk was making this huge splash in music and was becoming very very mainstream and this was the the mother of all of those albums yeah. where it, it was just so widely accepted and so along with dookie popular. dookie and might have outsold this dookie did outsell it was, it was major label though. you're right but it was major label and and part of punk was we're never going to be major label which is funny because after this album was released uh, the Offspring left Epitaph and went to uh, Atlantic, maybe? Yeah, probably. Um, so the song itself, uh, people latch on to the keep them separated thing. They latch on to the little melody, which you had asked, what kind of scale is that? The the part, the guitar line that's played over the verse. Do, 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 um, Western music... Uh, Sorry for nerding out on... You please. No, no. This is what I wanted to know. Uh, Western music doesn't really have names for these scales. They're, it's it's stuff that guitarists, that people who write melodies will play with, that will give stuff an Arabian sound, and there's probably names for them in like Eastern music, but... Uh, for anyone that plays music, it's kind of the minor second and the major third that give it that Arabian sound, and uh, I think that the lead singer of the offspring referred to it as an arabian scale but it's like it's like the dick dale scale right totally totally uh, like like clearly the guitarist noodles (laughs) was was into surf rock i was like i'm gonna just put a surf rock riff on this song because i can well this song was actually written by uh dexter holland uh not but that doesn't mean that noodles didn't write the guitar riff perhaps so I just um, want to say noodles a lot. I I know it's it's like uh, whenever I hear stuff like that, I'm like, so did somebody else give him that name, or did he just start walking around That's in middle really school or high question. school and, and go call me noodles? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how many times did he have to do that before it stuck? Uh, yeah, well, 
I don't know, like I, I go by Jamster sometimes, but I gave myself that name. And when I start calling myself that, people would be like, that's really fucking stupid. I'm not going to call I only you that. refer to you as Uncle Jam Jam. A lot of people refer to me as that now, probably more than people refer to me as Jamster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, neither of us had really paid attention to the lyrics to this song either before do research for this episode and okay so it's not that i didn't know any of the lyrics is that i didn't there were some parts where like like you just kind of kind of mumble along i never in a million years would have guessed that that line is the gang stake out their own campus locale as in <laughs> the gang stake out their own campus locale <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know that either <laughs> <laughs> and if if they catch you slipping, then it's all over, pal. Didn't know that one either. That's right. They're, like, and I imagine slipping like uh, like the janitor has just put out the uh, you know caution wet floor <laughs> sign. <laughs> Uh, it's the whole song is slapstick comedy, is what it is. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is because like. Has anyone ever listened to this song and like taken it as a serious statement about gang violence? I I had no idea until I started looking at the lyrics <laughs> that it's about gang violence. I, I I mean because it's such a playful song, but the lyrics are actually kind of clever when you read them. Yes, like like it's it's not like you read it like if you read it without knowing the song, you don't go well. This is really serious, but it's clever writing and clever rhyming in terms of how they wrote it yeah i i want to say as a side note here that i stopped listening to offspring because i thought that pretty fly for a white guy was one of the worst most embarrassing songs ever written which nobody agrees with me because it's by far their best-selling song um uh, it's it's got a really fun guitar riff both to listen to and play sure but it is very silly it's it, and not only is it silly, but I feel like somebody at the record label said, you know, everybody loved that. You got to keep them separated. You need to write another song with something like that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It it feels like they ripped off their own song. Yeah. And so I was trying to figure out why I didn't buy this album when it came out, because I didn't actively dislike it by any means. Um, but like I, so I went back to 94, which was like a very big year for alternative music. Uh, and, uh, and looked at like, what albums did I buy that year? Um, so I bought, uh, MTV Unplugged in New York, Super Unknown, Vitology, Live Through This, Weezer Blue Album, uh, Monster, Stranger Than Fiction, Throwing Copper, and, uh, uh, Wildflowers, which, uh, we should, could, could we do, could we do a song from Wildflowers next, maybe? Um, maybe what's tough for me about that is I want to do that whole, the whole album. album. Yeah. It's, okay. it's one of the best albums of all time. Okay, well, go listen to the wildflowers deluxe reissue that's out now. If, if um, you disagree with that statement, come at me, bro. Yeah. Uh, so like with the possible exceptions of Weezer and super unknown, which are both like kind of silly, like all of those, like, I think I wanted like serious music made by serious people and the offspring seemed kind of goofy. And uh, so I didn't end up buying that album. And I think I've learned to have more fun since then, but I don't know. <laughs> I I was obsessed with Rancid and Out Come the Wolves, um, which is another one of the best-selling independent albums of all time. And so I was very into this style of music at the time. But I also bought 
every single one of those albums that you just listed. Yeah, of course. Uh, that that year, and it was it was just a really big time for grunge and the post grunge alternative m- movement, which led me to looking up. Uh, you know, I thought this was a a really big song, and so I looked up where it charted because the album sold. Uh, some very large amount i think i think between 11 and 13 million albums this song only hit number 39 on the billboard 100 which is their pop charts basically oh yeah well what was your top charting song um i once no never reached uh billboard (laughs) but uh billboard has multiple different charts modern rock uh rap and they had at the time or so i thought Alternative charts, and this song hit number one on the alternative charts. So I decided to look at into Billboard alternative airplay charts to see when they stopped doing them, because to me, I'm like, does alternative music really exist? Well, they still have alternative charts, and some of the bands in the last 10 years that have charted on alternative airplay, mm-hmm. outside of ones that you would expect, include U2 muse billy eilish lincoln park coldplay stained imagine dragons and lord so i i feel like when we talked about uh not not that we did this song for the show but we were talking about old town road and how it was deleted from the country chart and then came back um, like there are people at Billboard who like make these decisions about like what uh, what genre a song falls into for the purposes of the Billboard charts. But like, what are those people smoking? I know, like, I can kind of make arguments for most of those bands, but you too. Well, yeah, I don't know. Like after. You know, I think starting with Octung Baby, you two was like semi-beloved by you know it's not that they played them on 120 minutes or anything but they you know people who listen to alternative rock were were generally pretty happy with octung baby i think and so like maybe you two got tossed into that somehow i don't know i i don't either by the way speaking of 120 minutes uh matt pinfield is a great guy to follow on facebook okay he he, he's almost like a motivational speaker nowadays not like in his real life but he's just uh into total positivity and he wakes up early every morning and he always takes a morning selfie and wears a band shirt every single morning oh that's awesome and i mean depending what the band is i swear to god i i've been friends with him i think for two years on facebook and i've never seen him wear the same shirt twice oh that is so great the guy has to own over a thousand different band t-shirts you think he got them all free i i i wouldn't be surprised Mm -hmm. i mean he maybe he bought some of them he's very clearly a music nerd which i love because it's like MTV gave him this show in the middle of the night on Saturday nights when nobody was watching TV and said, hey, you're a total geek. Have at it. Do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. 
and people listened to him. So if he decided that U2 was a 120-minutes band, then they could be a 120-minutes band, and people would accept them as alternative music, I guess. Was it Saturday night or Sunday night? Maybe it was Sunday night. Because I think I think I, w- I would always like stay up too late on a school night watching it, so I think it was Sunday, but I'm not sure. Yeah, that sounds about right, but I stayed up way too late on most school nights when I was in high school. Um. So, okay, I have a question. Let's go back to the song itself. Because okay. one thing I like about this song is that uh, it ends abruptly. So, you know, at the end, it's just a... Um, do, which is your favorite way for a song to end? Not that you, like, if you could just pick one for the rest of your life, do you want, like, a fade out? Do you want, like, a guitar chord that kind of fades out? Um, like, you know, that, that echoes out? Or do you want just, like, a, uh, a crisp hit and it's done? Okay, I'm, I'm going to use two examples here because I Great. don't think that there's a right answer to this. No, there is a right answer. You're going to find um, out. <laughs> Sweet. Well, I'm glad that you don't have an opinion. Uh, we already covered Radiohead the Benz. And, yes. Uh, the end of Just is a hard hit, and it's one of my favorite endings to any song ever. So that would lead me to say I like the abrupt ending. But then you go to a song like A Day in the Life by the Beatles. True. Where they hit that final piano chord, and they let it ring out for somebody has timed it exactly. It's something (laughs) like 55 seconds. And it's not really a fade out. It's like this song is not ending abruptly. It is ending on the longest chord ever recorded. And it's so deliberate and so awesome the way that they do it. So I I think that it, it, it depends on the song. I don't really like, like the one thing that I'll say is, is not my thing is, I don't like when it's like, well, we're just going to repeat the verse and let it fade out and just mm-hmm. repeat the verse over and over again. I or picture a band in in the recording studio just sitting there and playing the chorus over and over and over. Yeah, that's not my favorite either, although I bet I could think of a, a counterexample where I do like it. So, so, But it sounds like overall your take is, your hot take is that A Day in the Life is a good song. Yes. Okay. Now, now, what's your hot take? Since obviously you have an opinion about this. Oh, I already said before. I like I like the abrupt ending best. But do you have an example? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say uh, 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 "Come Out and Play" by The Offspring. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because you also made it clear that you were listening to this song a lot, and it's one of your favorites. <laughs> well, I I do like the song. It is. It's it's a very good song. I, I had somebody say to me this week, you know, I really like it when you guys uh, do songs or albums that you really pan and don't like. And I'm like, oh, interesting. I, I'm like, that's very interesting. I don't think that that's the uh, general consensus, but but I like that. I was worried picking this song that you were going to come in and say, oh, it's way too cheesy. I don't like it. I No, I, was, I would say it's like it's like like 10 percent too cheesy, but I do like it. I've I've discussed many times that uh, I appreciate a well-written pop song that it's a lot of people take for granted how hard it is to write something that's catchy, that works as a cohesive piece of music. And this is just a very, very well-written pop song. You know, the guy who said uh, Gotta Keep Them Separated was like a friend of the band who appears on this and one other Offspring song and sometimes comes out on stage with them. Guy? No, it's a different one. Um, and 
I think those are his only credits. <laughs> like, like in all music, like that was ever? the impression I got. Oh so, my god! Like, would it like how many how many times do you think that guy's gotten laid based on being the got to keep him separated guy? Probably a lot. Probably a lot, right? Yeah. The the question that that immediately came to my mind is, did they write him into the uh, (laughs) BMI ASCAP? uh, Oh, that's a good question. Like, 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 well, he's not. He didn't write the song. I mean, I I know, but but maybe they said, hey, he's a big part of the song. He should get royalties. Is this guy like worth hundreds of thousands of dollars by just going? Got to keep him separated. Um, yeah, in fact, anytime anyone says that, like, we now have to pay that guy. Shit. Like, no, it's only like 84 cents. Oh, good. Okay. I, I've got that at least. Um, so, so, but you think like he, he's got like, uh, like the keep him separated ranch, um, where he parks all of his Bentleys and stuff. <laughs> well, I don't remember what it was that I was watching, but if anybody's ever seen the movie UHF, uh, there's this guy in it. I I can't remember his name. He's got a really funny name, like his his actual name. But he says, well, just call me Mr. Butterfingers as his (laughs) thumb gets chopped off. And there was something on MTV many years ago of him showing his UHF royalties to the camera. And he gets like these checks in the mail for a (laughs) dollar forty five. Because every time somebody buys a VH copy of UHF, somebody's getting money. That's great. Yeah. Um, so the, what, the the last thing that I want to say about this song is uh, one of the downsides of becoming hugely famous overnight is people want a piece of it. And Dexter Holland, the lead singer of Offspring, made the mistake of saying that this song Bloodstains by the band Asian Orange was... A, a huge influence on the song and that listening to that song gave him gave him the idea for this song and uh luckily most bands just go well thank you but agent orange decided to be a bunch of assholes and come out after the band and say you uh plagiarized our song oh. we want a cut of it and uh they lost <laughs> uh i haven't listened to this song how similar is it it's not similar they both okay. have this arabian sounding guitar line so so dick dale could have just as easily come to them and said you just copied every song that i ever wrote you owe me a million dollars did agent orange uh try to to uh like get a leg up on the case by re-recording the song and and having someone say gotta keep them separated (laughs) just i knew you were going to say that Uh, um Wait, the thing the, the thing we haven't mentioned is um Dexter Holland, lead singer of the Offspring has a PhD in molecular biology. Is, is this like Why are there two guys I, in in punk rock? I, I was, who I have was just PhDs say, is, in is, biology. Is this a thing with punk rock that's like, well, now that I got my PhD, what am I going to do next? I'm going to start a punk band. No, no. They got their PhDs way later. That Really? That's the thing. Okay, so you're talking about Greg Graffin, right? I'm talking about Greg Graffin, who like who 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 got awarded his PhD like in the 2000s, I think. But he had already been like a college professor before he got his PhD, right? Yes, but not before he started Bad Religion because he was 15 when he started Bad Religion. When when Bad Religion was fir- first getting quite popular in LA, all of the members were still in high school. 
That is uh, unfair. Oh, uh, Brian May has a PhD in astrophysics. That's yeah, that's quite well known. Um, and he built his own guitar. I'm, I'm looking at a, a very important article, top 10 rock musicians with PhDs. <laughs> so um, <laughs> uh, is, is Lord one of them? <laughs> oh, oh, well, uh, Milo Ackerman from uh, from the Descendants. Oh, OK. OK. Uh, PhD in biology, UCSD. This what is very the odd. Hell, what what is going on? Do you think that they have some sort of secret um, like uh, stonecutters style uh, society where they meet in rows and uh, get together and discuss biology and music? Uh, I'm going to say, yeah, and probably like there's got to be some human sacrifice. J- just so you know, I could like, why bother? I could have said Freemasons, but Stonecutters is a reference to the Simpsons. I, so. I, I thought so. Like, I couldn't <laughs> quite place it, but I'm like, this has got to be a Simpsons thing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay. Do you have anything else to say about this song? Um, I don't think I have anything else to say about this song. I'm, I'm, uh, like everybody out there, like you got to keep them separated um, you know, inf- infection rates are on the rise. Uh, oh, nice. Know, what else uh, do we want to pick a song for next time on the spot? I always, I always like blindside you with this. Oh, I, I already know what I want to do, but okay. I, I, I don't like spoiling it because certain people will write to me on the first day of the month, you know, the first of the month, and go, yes, or really? Oh, I see. I, but, I, but like, they're gonna forget. That we said it. Uh, also, I can cut it out. What, oh, what do you want to do? You pick this one, but I don't have anything like... I want to do Possum Kingdom by Toadies. Okay, let's do it. Sweet. Uh, so, check us out on Facebook. I can, I can talk about the day I fell down and how they were all really into Toadies. Oh, I loved that band. Unfortunately, nobody knows who they are. <laughs> Absolutely no one. Like the, the, along with Frank Bango, the most obscure thing I listen to. <laughs> Frank Bango. Frank Bango is an incredible songwriter. Okay. Okay. Uh, so uh, check us out on Facebook.com slash Hidden Jukebox. Check us out on Instagram.com slash Jukebox Hidden. Our own website, HiddenJukebox.com. Um, listen to this album again because it's very, very good. And until next time... I'm Jake Amster. And I'm Matthew Amster Burton. You gotta keep them separated.